Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Ooh, listen. It's a lot of jealous women out here right now. Right now. Because I have a room full of men on this show tonight. I'm extremely excited and nervous again at the same time because, again, never did this before. And so today we are talking about a discussion of mental health before and after transplant. And I am super excited to have these men coming on this platform to give you the truth about what they went through, what they endured. And I see y'all coming in already. Hey, my sister Sandria, how you doing? Listen, if you know someone that has or that is waiting, that is waiting uh, for a transplant or they are on dialysis and their spirits are low and they are nervous, I want you to swipe and invite. Don't be petty. Make sure that you send them this link so that they can hear from some real men what it takes to go through that um go through a transplant be it heart liver kidney pancreas um a cornea yeah pancreas so heart so whether it's any of those i want you to know that there is safety in numbers and these group of men will hopefully be able to show you that that their test was for you their test their testimony is for you. Hey, Anaya. Hey, baby girl. Uh, thank y'all. My students are popping on. Hey, y'all. I see y'all. Um, so without any further ado, let me make sure that you all know that one, this is National Organ Donor Month. And so um, I need everyone to know that I am still, still in the business of making sure that people register to become organ donors. And if you would like to become an organ donor, please um, go to donatelifeflorida.org and make sure that you register. And then how did you learn about us? Other, and then specify save 1000 lives. And you know, guys, all of this is in honor of Leonard Wayne Lara Moore, uh, my late husband who passed away, um, passed away from waiting on a heart and a kidney okay so that is all i have i won't be hosting the show tonight okay i'm going to introduce my host all the way from sunny california that's right that's right that's right you've seen him on this show eight months ago it is mr m henderson the third who is and i guess i could tell his song his little story he is a kidney recipient. He is also a lupus warrior. And he is also uh, the stem. He, he did a stem cell transplant. I want to make sure I said that correct. But I'm going to bring him on. Again, I thank you all so much. And uh, please, please, please make sure that you swipe and invite and share. This might be the last time for a... Um, I think the watch parties, the watch parties are gone away. And I want to say hello to everyone again. Hello, Monica. Also, 
Hello, parents. Hello, mom and dad and my grandma. So Major and Gwen Rollins and my grandma Altonese is watching all the way, all the way from Mare Island. All right, so let's get started on this because I don't want um I don't want the momentum to leave. The guys are excited and they are ready. And I do, if I can say so myself, they are very handsome men. They really are. All right. So let me go right now. We're gonna bring Emmett. Henderson all the way from California. Y'all know he's my boy because anytime I need him and call him, he say absolutely sis. So let's go everybody. Hi Emmett. Hey Nishanda. <laughs> What's happening? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So happy to be here. So happy to be a part of this movement. I wouldn't turn it down or say anything, you know, but to be here with you. Come on now. I'm Y'all see, I told y'all they were handsome. Like, right? I told y'all these. After all they have been through, they they look nothing like. Look, 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 look at his shirt. He got the arms up. Male lupus warrior. We ready. So, listen, I'm going to work behind the scenes. Mr. Henderson, it's all yours, sir. All yours. However you want, I'm following. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. So, well, first of all, Nishanda is doing a big, great job for having us fellas on here. This is something that we believe the autoimmune community, disease community, organ transplant community needs is to hear from some guys. What we go through that a lot of people don't see. What we're going to talk about are things that people are only thinking. What we're going to talk about, probably not going to hear too many platforms talk about it, talking about raw and uncut and putting it out there. We as real brothers talk real. We human too, just like everybody else, but we think it's very important to put out there, you know, what we've gone through to make everyone else feel that it's okay how you're feeling because you can bounce back just the way we can. All right, just the way we can. So I'm not gonna waste any more time talking about uh, me. Oh, Nashonda, it was a bone marrow stem cell transplant was my second transplant, which actually saved my life. But these brothers coming on, Y'all gonna hear from all of them. You're gonna hear what organs they had transplanted. You're gonna hear how they're doing today. You're gonna hear so much more. So let's bring these fellas on. Let's bring these guys on. Here we go. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Here's my Here's man. I see you, I see you. Mr. Ray, I see you. What's up, bro? Here they come, Mr. Andrew Hobbs. And we got Tony and what's my hey, other how brother? You doing? There we are. Minnesota. How's everybody? All right. All right. So we're going to introduce, you guys want to introduce yourselves to the audience. Let's tell them who you are. Let's give them where you're from, when you got diagnosed and what organ. And I'll start with how you are on my screen. So Mr. Rod Jackson, talk to us, bro. Oh, yes. I got um, diagnosed with congestive heart failure in um, 2010 when I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. So, um, Moved down here to Orlando where I'm currently living now, 2015, got really sick. So in May of 2016, I had the LVAD device and I had that for three and a half months um, for my heart and um, got the blessing from God on the 29th um, of, um, excuse me, the 30th of August, got a call the 29th, but um, got transplanted with the gift of life, with the heart transplant. And um, I'm blessed to be here because of those two surgeries and because of God, I'm here. I heard that. I heard that. Ray, talk to us, sir. 
y'all doing? My name's Ronaldo Alexander. I'm originally from Louisiana, Mansfield, Louisiana, to be exact. I reside in Mississippi. I'm a recipient of a kidney. At the early age of 26, I was diagnosed with end-stage kidney disease. I found out that I had been operating on less than 10% of my kidneys. Um, eventually had to do dialysis, did dialysis for five years. And uh, I was blessed with the gift of life. Had a kidney transplant on August 3rd, 2014, which was my birthday. Wow, good for you, man. You. Minister Brian. Brian, can you hear us? All right, I'm gonna get back to him. I don't know if he's frozen right now. I'm gonna get back to him. Mr. Tony, you're on mute, bro. Let's introduce yourself. Hey, how you doing? My name is Tony Larkins, and I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I ride in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I received my gift of life on April the 17th, 2015. Uh, it'll be six years in a couple of days. Uh, I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure in 2013, September. Um, I ended up getting an LVAD in 2000, January of 2014, and I uh, was on the list for four months before I received my heart. Wow. Happy early birthday coming up. So, hey, Mr. Mr. Brian, you there, bro? Yes, I'm here. Apologies. Hey, um, name is Minister Brian Bordley. Um, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Currently, my kidney transplant came January the 2nd of 2021. I was a dialysis technician training nurses coming into the industry. Didn't have on my face shield. Patient sneezed in my face, gave me pneumonia, turned into septic, and I lost the function of my kidney. Um, been a hard journey doing dialysis, 52 surgeries later, and we'll go into all that down the road. But I'm here, God gave me a second chance, and I promised him if he did, I would serve him and I'd burn this world up with all my ideas and all my visions that I had while sitting on dialysis machine. Okay. Wow. That's that's a true warrior right there. Mr. Andrew, you want to talk to us, sir? Yeah, my name is Andrew Hobbs. I'm, I reside in Albany, Georgia. I was diagnosed with liver disease in um, 2012. By 2014, it had turned to liver cancer. And um, so I needed to transplant really, really bad. So by um, September of 2014 is when I got my call on September the 5th, 2014. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Andrew. Um, for everybody that's out there, just wanted to know, do you guys have partners that are taking care of you um, currently during your time? And how was that? If you want to elaborate on that, just having somebody by your side at all times. I know when I was going through my dialysis, I had peritoneal dialysis. So I plugged into a machine nine hours a night. But the, what came with that was sanitizing, you know, cleaning everything and then laying it down. So were any of you guys in the same situations or how did you prepare every day knowing that you're going to need a, a transplant somehow, some way? And did you have help at home to do it? A partner, wife, anybody? I'll go first. Um, initially, 
I moved back home when I found out I was going to have dialysis. Um, my mother took care of me up until the point my access in my dialysis leg um, erupted 19 times, five while I was asleep. So you can imagine waking up to a bed full of blood and blood just going all over the room. Um, that took a lot of cleanup. Um, at the time, didn't have a special someone in my life. So it was just a lot on me and my mother trying to maintain until this kidney transplant came. Wow, wow. I bet you that was a horror just to seeing blood in the bed like that and anybody that was near you. Anybody else want to comment on that? You're on, you're on mute, Rod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I was I was blessed. Um, I'm here in Orlando. My hometown is Jacksonville, Florida. So I was blessed to have my dad come down to stay with us, me and my wife and my my children. Um, well, my my wife still had to work when I was out, of course, and my dad was really my caretaker. Um, I know with the LBAD device, the first six weeks are the most crucial weeks. Um. Of the, of the surgery, of the transplant surgeries. I guess y'all can say the same thing, I guess, the first six weeks. And um, he was here with me. My wife, during the LBAD process, my wife was changing my dressings or whatnot, but my dad was here every day. He came from Jacksonville, he'd come in on um, early Monday morning, and then he'd leave out Friday afternoon, you know, for the weekend. So I was I was blessed. Um, it showed, it took a village. You know, I know most of us grew up with a village. And it Amen. took a village to keep me here, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'd be forever grateful for my, my dad and my wife and my children, you know what I'm saying? Amen, bro. Amen. Amen. You guys got anything else on that, Tony or Andrew? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, um, I... It's like well, when I was going through the... Uh, from the... From the... Um, What's from the time me? that I was diagnosed until the time I got transplanted, she was there and way after. And um, I really appreciated having someone like that, you know, in my life and, and there for me like that. That's important. That's important. Go ahead, Tony. Well, when I got diagnosed, it, it, it happened very fast um, as far as getting ill. Uh, I was in a relationship at the time and um, the person that I was with, we were going through a situation and they were unable to deal with the situation. Um, it was very hard to be honest with your time um, because you're near death and you're hoping that the person is with you is gonna be with you. Um, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So the first, um, I guess the first three months when I was before I got the LVAT, was, it was very hard mentally. Um, on me mentally and on my body because um, when you're going through when your heart is shutting down your kidneys are shutting down uh, it was impossible to sleep um, my mind is going everywhere you know and when you don't have support that you um, you you think you need I guess you want uh, my family I didn't really tell my family at the time um, my son didn't know because um, to be honest with you I didn't really want him to um, I look back on that now and I, I believe the decision was made because that's what God wanted me to do. 
Um, you know, he was there the whole time through the heart, but the LVAD was a whole different situation. When they diagnosed me about with the LVAD, uh, they told me I was gonna die in the hospital. They literally told me I had a day to live. And um, I prayed and two hours later, a doctor came in, in the room and, and told me about an LVAD. So when I got the LVAD, it was like a second life. Uh, but I was single. Um, I ended up meeting someone um, who was since passed away, but she was like a godsend. She um, knew more about medical than anything. So when I got the transplant, she was at the hospital the whole time. And that helped me because I'm gonna be honest with you, um, when you're single and going through it, your psyche is is really not there. Um, who do you call on other than God? You know, and there was a lot of reading yeah. in scripture, uh, but the support um, was not um, like the ones that you guys had. Right, right. So just between between you and Rod, um, Tony, can you just give a brief explanation in case the audience don't know what is an LVAD? What is, what is that? Well, LVAD is a, stands for left ventricular assist device and it's a uh, device that is placed in your heart it's, a, it's basically open heart surgery they place a pump inside your heart and attach it to your left ventricular um, you have a controller and you have batteries on the outside um, you basically plug in at night uh, and your batteries are your lifeline um, so your whole life basically changes from a, a, a normal human being to basically um, at the time it was like being uh, the six million dollar man because uh yeah you were basically a machine you know the time yeah. into it, I, I thought i was calling myself frankenstein you know <laughs> but you know what but you know the thing i was told we, i was told was um the get the lvad was the bridge to transplant you know because you know initially you, you were scared of the unknown but even even with the lvad even when i was going through my biopsies the doctor said, your heart is so weak because my heart had enlarged so much. And he said, if it weren't for that LVAD, I'd have checked out of here. But right. what, we have, what a mighty God we serve, you know? Amen. What a mighty God we serve. And because so, you of know, him, yeah, because of him, we here. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I think that, that LVAD just sounds like us with kidneys. That's like our dialysis. We yes. need that dialysis to stay alive, as you guys need that LVAD to continue to to stay alive as well. So, yes. so with that said, I mean, are any of you guys on here who's single and uh, who's in a relationship? <laughs> let's get the guy. Let's get the people to know this is an open talk. Let's get everybody very, very single and taking applications. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Ray? Andrew? I'm single. Yeah. No, I'm in a relationship. In a relationship. Okay. Okay. All right. Don't get in trouble. Don't no. get in trouble. You as a watcher. I'm married. So, you know, I'm married. All right. So, so let me kind of go back to what Tony was saying, how important it is, you know, and the way that, you know, Rod, you had your family. Brian, you guys had your families with you. With Without, say, your families or that special someone there, how did it feel that, as men that we had to depend on others to do things we normally would never ask you know we we go about our day as men's handling everything but there's a point when we have no control over our health but yet i'm gonna need to ask somebody to get my shoes out the closet i'm gonna need to ask somebody can you warm up my food how do we feel how did you feel as men you know when you had to do that was there any type of shame was there any type of guilt how did you feel I'll, I'll start out with that one and, and also it's kind of prelude with the previous question um so i was diagnosed with end-stage kidney disease 
the third lady to 26. So by the time I actually uh, started dialysis, um, I was I had been married almost uh, almost 10 years. Wow. And uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was devastating. Uh, former Marine, um, trained fireman. Only thing I knew was how to be strong. I was the one that people would call on to get things done. Right. I didn't know how to do pin on anybody. Feeling just just feeling uh, weak or sick. I felt shame. Um, to make matters worse, um, probably about three weeks into uh, into dialysis, mm-hmm. uh, the ex-wife for almost ten years she left. I can't say it was it was because of dialysis, because it was rocky, almost 10, 18 years of all time. But yet, in my vulnerable times, she was the only one that would ever had ever seen me break. So I expected. I expected, you know, her to be there. So about three weeks in, and she left. Um, I was devastated. A week later, I lost everything in a house fire. Uh, in a stand, I lost little small room with some relatives. And uh, I, was, I was pretty much at the, at the lowest, lowest place of my life. Uh, depression. I didn't know if I wanted to live. You know, thoughts of it. I just. I didn't know, not necessarily that I couldn't go on. I just didn't know if I wanted to go on. You know, I I just, I felt shame, felt shame. I didn't want to be around anybody. The thing I did was let the dialysis came back, picked up a whole lot of weight. Um, I remember sitting, had a square case gun, and I was just rocking. I had it and explaining everything in my mind. Just embarrassment, um, shame. I was hurt, uh, embarrassed because I, you know, because the ex-wife walked out, embarrassed because, you know, I was sick. Um, it was just, it was just horrible, you know, just a horrible time. So initially dialysis was, it was really, really tough. I remember coming, uh, coming in the house and sometimes the dialysis was with me, my blood pressure would drop immediately. Um, mm-hmm. And after the first time, you recognize it because that's a certain feeling you get. I started to get hot. You know, I just, it's just, I started to sweat all of a sudden. I can remember one day passing out in the kitchen floor. I don't know how long I was out, but nobody there. You know, didn't tell nobody. It's yeah. just, you know, just having experiences like that. So initially, it was it was, it was really, really rough. Man, I feel for you, brother. I really feel for you. And, and, you know, I'm glad to know now, and I'm not sure your whole story, but I'm glad now that you're here with us. That just tells me that you've got mentally over some of that, if not a lot, to where you're able to share with us now. So I appreciate yeah. you. Take my hat off to you on that, brother. I, I really do. Um, so anybody else want to share on that? in regards to how did you feel? I'll go. Um, I just walked out of a divorce that was very stressful. My wife took my medical insurance because I was underneath for her. So unfortunately it was, I'm gonna make sure you don't move forward. Um, Got extremely sick from the pneumonia, 45 days vomiting straight. I knew that 
even though I'm an alternative health person, I knew this was bigger than my arsenal. Um, doctor gave me that you're going to need dialysis or you checking out. If it wasn't for my daughter at four who climbed up on my bed and told me, Daddy, I don't want you to go, I probably would have left out of here. Still not gravitating to the transition of I got a different body than what I used to. And anybody that's in the dialysis world knows when you have a catheter, you can't get it wet. I sat in the rain seven times trying to commit suicide. Um, the depression got very deep. So that meant they had to move my catheter seven times on my chest. Um, you know, we go through some dark periods, you know, and, and sometimes God takes you or allows you to go there because he's going to do something amazing through you and in you if you allow that. Um, somewhere I got to the place that I'm going to live. And that means if I got to get a fistula, fine. I had seven surgeries to do the fistula and none of them took because we had already closed the veins in my chest down. Um, which meant we have to go into my thigh. We go into the thigh. Doctor tells me, you know, this is an easy process. I'll make a one inch incision just to connect the vein and the artery. I wake up. He didn't cut me from the neck. I mean, from the knee to the groin. And now my leg is swelling up like a basketball. Mm. So that means I got to go back into surgery within the next 30 minutes of coming out of surgery just so they could get rid of that hematoma. Um, this has been a very hard dialysis. So when I teach other dialysis patients how to do this better, it's from a lot of hard lessons that I wouldn't want anybody to have to go through. Right. So, I mean, we're going to get into the sexuality part in the next part of this phase, but we have some major complications from medicine. And oh, I yeah. tell folks, you know, no, nobody should have to be a guinea pig but unfortunately medicine doesn't have all the answers and we yeah, trust right. too much of our doctors to put stuff in us that isn't for our best benefit exactly. so that's my story wow yeah you nailed it first of all i mean it does a lot to us it's just that we have to adjust they give us medicines to take care of what's ailing us but then there's so many side effects that we have to deal with in the meantime so I hear you, bro. I hear you. Thank you for sharing that, too. Um, Tony Rod, anybody want to say on that? Because I have another following question after that. But how do you just want to see how y'all felt, you know, having to depend on people when knowing that, you know, you're the man that you are. But at the same time, you need help to do certain things. Yeah, you have I'll be, I'll be, yeah, I'll be brief. Um, you know, it, it goes the old cliche. Um, you're going to need help at some point. You just don't know. You just don't know the situation. I, you know, I was. I just thank God that He put angels around me, and a supporting family, for me to go through what I went through. You know, because, like you all said, it is. It was mentally. It weighs on you. But um, I can say that, you know, your one source, God, man, God is so awesome. You know, He gonna make. He gonna make sure that you that you are uh, especially when you connected. He's gonna make sure that you you're gonna be in, in a good state. And like I gotta say he's he's he always gonna send he sent angels. And boy did he send them. Um because when I was out of work, man, I was denied um benefits and everything. And I remember going to my 30th year um high school reunion, my class and I 
talking to my um, close friend, um, Charlotte Green. She said, Rod, I'm going to do a GoFundMe, a GoFundMe for you. I said, no, nah, don't do that. She said, no, nah, I want to do it. And I'm telling you, because, because of her stepping forth, man, I was blessed. You know, I was blessed. We, we still, God, God, God made a way. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it, you know, I was, I was just blessed. And um, just hearing these other stories, man, I tell you, it wasn't nobody but God in your situation too. Tony, especially yeah. you, you know, you asked somebody to walk away. The ministry, you asked somebody to walk away. Ray, you, you know, you went through your trials and tribulations, but guess what? God saw it all through and, and, and kept us Amen. here. Kept us Amen. all here. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's most important. Amen, bro. Amen for that. Thank you for sharing that. Tony, do you have something to say on that, sir? Yes. Um, well, probably my lowest moment came uh, three years uh, during my three-year anniversary. Um, I was living by myself. Probably the first time I really lived by myself. But, um, I had lost my job. I had a, um, before, during, even during transplant, uh, I used to be a branch manager making six figures. Um, not that it's about the money, but when you um, when you go from top to down, it's going to mess with you mentally. Um, I was probably in denial. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I never shared with anyone what I was going through, um, probably being like a stubborn man. Uh, so I do appreciate this platform. Um, but when I was going through it, I think I, I kind of relied on myself too much. You know, I had friends, uh, but it came to a point where I, I got depressed. Um, and I don't, I can't really explain it, but it, it, it got to a point where I ended up passing out. Um, I, I remember calling my son the next day uh, and telling him I wasn't feeling good. And then the next day he came over and uh, I passed out in his arms. And um, I lived probably two minutes away from the hospital. He rushed me right to the hospital. Uh, I had passed out and um, this is with my new heart. And uh, they did CPR for 59 minutes, um, 15 times with a defibrillator. And um, I'm here. And the, the right. only reason they kept going that long was because my son was there. I thank God for my son. Uh, he told him not to yep. stop. He said, don't don't let my dad die. Um, and that was the only reason that they went 59 minutes. And they told him at the time, if even if he does come to, he's going to be brain dead. Brain um, dead. They, they got me. God. <laughs> God is good. They, they uh, brought me to and uh, transport, transferred me to Piedmont in Atlanta. Uh, I was probably in a coma for a couple of days. Um, I had, I was on the machine. My son was there. And I remember coming to um, two days later. And they asked me uh, my name. I said, Tony Larkins. They asked me, do you know where you are? And I said, Piedmont Hospital. And they looked at me like, do you know what happened? I'm like, no, I just remember passing out. But God is good. But you know what? I had friends in my room. Um, Lifelink, my um Sadria, Shante, these all these women were in my room praying for me. A lot of times we don't realize people are praying for us. It's not just us. You know, so I tell people, don't give up because God's never going to give up on you. People are praying for us all the time. That's probably why we all are here because somebody exactly. prayed for us. So our job is to give back what has been given to us. And I know when I walked out of that hospital two weeks later, well, actually a month later, uh, I had already signed up for the transplant games. Uh, people who have transplants go, it's like the Olympics. Um, and it was in August and I got out in June. My doctors told me I couldn't go. They wouldn't sign the waiver. And I looked at them and said, look, I just came through 59 minutes without breathing. 
15 times with a defibrillator. If God didn't want me here, I wouldn't be here. He wouldn't. And exactly. I'm glad to say that I went to the games. I, I participated uh, because you know what? Don't give up. God didn't give up on me. And I did. he didn't have me go through this to be sitting to be a vegetable. I've exactly. been active ever right. since. My life is good. But even in your darkest moment, or at least in mine, God was there. You know, so we, like Ray said, only he, you know what you were going through, but God knew the whole time and he would exactly. not allow it to not in any other way. Exactly. Amen, bro. Amen on that. Yeah. Amen on that. Uh, you want to share something on there, Mr. Uh, hold on. I got you on here. Oh, shoot. Where's the, hold on. I think we have everybody on here. Andrew, you want to share with us, bro, on something on that? I don't know if you can hear me or see me. You're on mute, sir. You're on mute. There we go. You're still on mute. You're still on mute, bro. I don't know if you can hear. If you can hear, we'll come back and swing back around to you. I'm gonna go on to the, the next question, guys. With with us, say all of you guys and myself, we all remember when we were in our prime, right? And then all of a sudden we get sick. How do you guys feel that you're not or you you weren't that same person you were during the time of your transplant, or your body betrayed you basically? So how did you feel from being the men that you were are? feeling going through your sickness and then being limited now how did you feel about yourself i'll take um i was a hustler so between the dialysis <laughs> between being in the street between flipping houses i make money that's what i do i make money and to do that you got to have a body that's able to be almost 18 hours a day and to go on dialysis and I get four hours a day where I'm at least comfortable, that's a huge change in my lifestyle. That's yeah. a huge change in my hustling. That's a huge change on everything because not only does my body not want to do, my mind is now suicidal. My mind is now so depressed and in a dark cave that you can't trust anybody because the people you trusted rolled out and betrayed you because they couldn't handle the situation. Um, you're without any affection from a female that at least gives you some sense of, I can get through this. Right. That's what a woman's affection does. It gives you that momentum to say, I can get through this. When you're by yourself, it's the talk between you and God and you don't always get an answer, but you always get a setup. And we can't see the setup. So my body was, uh, I'm feeble, I'm weak, can't climb the steps, can't really get to the restroom. So now you go through all this. I might need a diaper. You know, that's some hard <laughs> stuff to go through at 40 years old. You know, you're right. Yeah. You know, but most people don't get this understanding of what we go through to change mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, and yes, you see it on the back end now that we are all celebrating how good a God we serve. But in the middle, in the beginning of this, 
it's almost like you feel cursed. Yeah. 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 You know? So that's my story. Andrew, you want to go ahead and elaborate on any of that? Please. There you go. Oh, on that part, you know, when I was going through that, you know, it wasn't nothing going on. Absolutely nothing. What do you mean? I can't, I can't hardly hear y'all. What, what do you mean? Nothing was going on. We was talking about Y'all can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's, if it's sound is not working that great. Let me see if I can get to him this way. Andrew, can you hear me better? I can hear you. Okay. I was just asking, you know, uh, on that, how did you feel and, and what did you mean when you said nothing was going on? What was your topic question? <laughs> it, it, it was more, it was more that since you had a transplant, did you ever have any type of, I guess, anger, regret that your body betrayed you? You know, you, you were young at one time, you had no problems, I'm assuming everything was okay. And now all of a sudden you feel sick and now you need a, a liver transplant. Well, I'm telling you for about the year, like in 2000, the whole 2014 up until I got a transplant, I wasn't really, you know, active. I was with someone, but you know, my body betrayed me all the time. It was more a mental thing. I, my mind was so caught up in what I was going through that I couldn't, you know, perform or do anything. So I really went through a lot on that front. All right. So so let's get into this question then as going back to our youth and in our young age and how we were able to some of y'all was in relationships some of y'all wasn't how much did this disease affect your love life let's let's put it all under one umbrella your love life relationship sex how did all of this should i say interrupt any of that you declined in your stamina performance you weren't able to love, not being able to be loved. Let's talk about that, guys. I'm I'll sure go. everybody want to hear it. Now, before before I had my operation, all right, when I got diagnosed with congestive heart failure, and I really didn't know what was going on, um, I could not get a heart on, period, okay? And I've tried different things. Now, I, the, the so the sex part really was for my partner was not good at all. I mean, when you get with a woman and you just can't do it, um, and they're trying everything, it's it's really, it's hard. It's hard mentally, it's hard physically, and then um, you your mind wants to do so much. Now, when I got the LVAD, it was different because I was on medication that kept me hard all the time. The only problem was I had uh, batteries and I had a wire coming out of me. Now, I don't know anyone that really thinks that's sexy. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I have a scar down my chest. I mean, I'm you know, I have this long wire coming out of me. So that um wow. was difficult. And not only was it difficult when I was single trying to find someone, um, and you tell them that you're going through this. First of all, it's hard to tell somebody that you don't really want to tell them, and then when you do tell them, um, it's you feel less than a man. You know what I'm saying? Um, the other issue I had was um it used to take me 15 minutes to get out of a car. Uh, my heart, my, my heart was going bad. 
And at the time I didn't realize it. I'm, I'm still trying to go to work because I'm a man. I got to provide, I got bills and everything like that. And you don't want to ever look less than a man. And that part really took me away because I tell people now, now I understand it because it's after effect. When my, my ankles swelled up so bad, I couldn't even put my shoes on. Right. You know, and I'm still trying to go to work, still trying to do normal things, not knowing I couldn't even, my, my body was so swollen from the uh, fluid, couldn't even put my belt on, you know? Uh, yeah. I was averaging 140, I was at 180. And at this time I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm finally gaining weight. I want to get bigger. <laughs> not knowing it was yeah. not the right way. So it was not, it, it was it was very, it was very hard emotionally. Um, you don't want to tell him, well, first of all, you don't even know what you're going through. Um, you know, no one tells you because at that time you're just taking medicine and medicine and medicine. And, and unfortunately at that time, I didn't know doctors don't know what they're doing. And I don't mean to say that in the wrong way, but they just test and test and test. And right. I'll never forget my heart doctor now and told me, look, all doctors, they go to school, but they all are not that good. So if the doctor's not good, fire them. Don't risk your life. Seriously, don't risk your life because you know your body better than them. So that's yeah. a lot of things yeah. that I learned from. Them. Yeah. Anybody else want to jump on that? Uh, I'll chime in, um, Emmett. Um, you know, when you when you when you when you got sick, initially when I was sick, the, the, the most the most important thing was getting better. You know, getting mm -hmm. healthy, finding you know, hey, God, please get me better. And my mind really wasn't on, you know, on sex. I was just trying to just get better. Now, on the flip side of that, when I got healthy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the mojo, the mojo came back. The mojo came back, and like Tony said, me when I had the LVAD because um, you know, I, I had LVAD from the beginning, and because of some of the medicine we were taking, you know, it was rising up. So when I, I said, "Hey, I can't let it rise up and don't and don't and don't and don't um take advantage <laughs> of the situation," so I, I just turned into Black Rambo. You know, what I'm saying With them batteries and everything strapped on my vest. I said, I'm just going to be Rambo. You know, he was so charged up. Hey, hey, hey like, like Richard Pryor said, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out of style. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like that. Exactly. So, you know, hey, it, it, you know, but it, you have your moments where you, you know, I just want to get better. And then, you know, then, you know, I, I, um, and you, you never be the same man that we were when we were 18 and 21. No. You know what I'm no. saying? So, so, so be, being able to be alive, and, and and cherish that moment of being alive but at the same time you know hey when those moments do come about and you're able to you know to step up to the plate I'm, hey i'm swinging for the home i'm swinging for the home run <laughs> <You know? laughs> i hear you bro i yeah. hear you i hear you yeah what's up guys andrew ray you guys want to elaborate on that as well like be before the transplant it went downhill for me, it was it wasn't nothing going on before the <laughs> transplant. But after the transplant, like while I was in the hospital, it came right back to me. Like, oh God, good. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Brian or Ray? Oh, Brian, you already had yours. Guys, go ahead. Well, my story is a little different. Um, intimate wise, I was always good because I take care of my body. I put the right stuff in. Most of the time when men start having ED erection issues, it's because of a bad diet that's leaning to a lot of bad fats that closes the smallest arteries on your body, which is your manhood and your eyes. Um, my doctor told me to take a high blood pressure cocktail. 
that cocktail called priapism. Priapism is what they explain in Viagra when you have an erection longer than four hours. Well, my mm -hmm. erection turned into be 32 hours because Ooh. I was embarrassed. I blew up like a football. Um, blew up like a football. They had to manually take the blood out with needles in the side of my man that didn't like it. Um, no Novocaine, no Lidocaine. That's how much pain we were in. They gave me a little morphine just to kind of cut the pain a little bit. And I had a young urologist who didn't put the line on it on the syringe. So once she disconnected, blood shot out like it was a gun victim. We had blood all over the floor, all over the walls. Um, the second time, the second time, you know, because the doctors tell you it's no way in the world you could have priapism. That's a one percent chance. And I was that one percent. I wow. blew back up again wow. like a football. The second time they're talking, Mr. Boyley, you 40, you might have to go to get the balloon where you pump your man up at night before intimacy. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> Third time it happened, 12 hours. Um, oh, at oh. this time, I'm ready to cut the doctor, you know, just really do something bad to him because this pain is un unbelievable. They tell me I'm going to have nerve damage. I'm going to be like a unit. It just ain't never going to work again. Um, I knew at the time the lady I was dating wasn't going to stay if it don't work. So it was one of those things that I got to get myself back to me. Um, Kill Bill. Uma Thurman is in the pee wagon and she's talking to her toes. I need y'all to wiggle. I need y'all to wiggle. Yep. And, and for 90 days, that's what I did. I need you to move. I need you to move. Come hey, on, big fella. All, so, all I heard was 12 and 32 hours. Yeah. So <laughs> I finally got it to move. And after that, it was just, um, we're going to have to do some self-love so we can make some things happen here. And it originally, initially, it came back to life. Started putting in the right vitamins and minerals and changing my diet back. We grew from all of this extra football growth. So that was the plus. Um, but it was just one of those embarrassing moments of your life. You can't tell your family, I need to go to ER because I had a erection for 32 hours. That's just something you just can't tell somebody, you know? Um, so I'm walking around with a towel wrapped around me because I can't have no pressure on me. You know, I'm in that much pain. And so long story now short, I'm in pain. <laughs> we, are, we are a whole lot better now, man. Man, we a whole lot better. <laughs> but There's even, but man, even the side effects, because of that, that the damage that was done with the needles going in three separate occasions, he was still waking up lasting three to four hours. So they didn't want me to go back to the ER unless I'm five hours erected or more. So I had to find a way to kind of make my body settle down. And that takes a whole lot of mind, mental control to just bring your man from being erected to going flaccid. And I had to find those triggers. How do we do this? And luckily I had a background in medical and physiology of the body. I understood how to put all these pieces together. Wow. While most we, men are looking the opposite, you trying to do <laughs> bringing down, but <laughs> yeah, I've been on the marathon. Huh? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> but but you know what? Isn't it? You know, despite how healthy you know we are, I guess the multiple medications that we take isn't that? Would you guys blame that for say the lack of being able to have an erection or keep an erection because of the lack of the most medication? Um, or do you think it's just your overall body just weak because your organs are not cooperating with you? Probably a combination of both. Um, I can remember okay. um, doing a, I think doing a transplant. My morning, my morning cocktail of meds, I, it was like twenty four pills. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they had a huge effect on you know on that. But me, you know, but I'm always I'm always researching and trying to find a way you know to to better the situation. So I'm like you know it's it's I can say that it's a lot of it's it's some it's some um, resources that us as men. You know, we having those problems to um, you know, to, to get the job done if it comes to um, that you know, having sex or whatnot. There's some resources, plenty of resources out there. Right, right. But but you 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 need these medications to keep your body going. You need these medications to keep your organs and staying alive. So how oh, yeah. do you how do we 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 kind of balance that out to where does it also bring down your desire for sex as well? Have you guys experienced that? Not, not really, but the problem with this body is this body is self-contained, self-healing. So the moment you take all this medication that's either causing the constipation, um, putting the wrong iron in your system, um, keeping your autoimmune suppressing drugs on deck, you have to put other supplements in to balance this body out. Exactly. The vitamins and minerals have to go in, but they have to be great sources. Um, yeah. you, you have to look at this body almost like your car engine. All right. So you're taking anti-suppressive medicine, which is almost like run, run flat tires. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the rest of this body still needs oil, still needs antifreeze, still needs high test gasoline. And most of us because of our diets and nobody never told us, we're running on 87 octane. So yes. you're feeding your number one star player 87 octane, but you are, but you are Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. eventually this engine either breaks down or is becoming very sluggish because you're not putting in the right gas. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Ray, did you want to chime in, Ray? You're on mute. Take yourself off of mute, bro. There you go. Oh, you just went back on the mute. Yeah. Good? I'm good. You're good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, so my <laughs> my experience was, was some similar, but somewhat different. So, uh, in my marriage, it was it was really rocky. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot of you know bed banging going on so to say uh, however I mean however uh, whenever I did want to but I can honestly say that uh, that she you know she was willing so my issue was I would get hard but I would I would have an orgasm like real quick whenever I did so I talked to the doctor and what he did was he uh, prescribes some type of uh, uh, suppression medicine and it was just a small dose and he said that it was known to, uh, to 
make your erections longer. It took about three weeks to get in my system. Um, so the bad thing about it is, once it got into my system, shortly later, I started dialysis. And that's when the eggs walked out. Wow. So, wow. And, wow. And so, she missed the treat. So, wow. so, so my, my dilemma then, it, it, it went to uh, more of a mental thing. I'm, I'm thinking of myself as less than a man who wants somebody on Dallas. Like, who gonna want, you know what I'm saying? Like, who, who, gonna, who gonna want me, you know? Like, so I know. Like, you meet somebody and you gotta tell them, oh yeah, by the way, I'm on, I'm on uh, Dallas. That was just a tough, tough, tough uh, yeah. hit yeah. to swallow. Yeah. So I, I just kind of went on. I gained a lot of weight. And so I had a turnaround. I mean, turnaround. And my daughter, who was three years old at the moment, she took me one day. Um, and I broke, laying on the floor, was crying. Um, crying out to God, basically. I was in the floor of my aunt and uncle's little room that they gave me because um, I lost everything in a house fire. And so at that moment she hugged me and it's like she knew it's hard to explain but it's like she knew three years old what exactly what i need at the time and and when she hugged me three years old it's like daddy i got it. she was like you know it, i just man i can take it and broke i just cried out to god to god have to help me you know because i can't help myself nobody can help me it didn't matter what nobody said right. and i didn't lose right. my place I continued to take the medicine. So I began to work out. I began to lose weight. Began to, I, I started the boot camp, started training people. And the more in shape I got, the stronger mentally I, I became as well. Yeah. So by, yeah. This, by this time, I started seeking vindication. I, I, I needed personally, my mental was, I need a, a woman to validate me. So, it's, I mean, any other time it would be embarrassing to say, but it's just was where I was mentally. Yeah. I, 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 started, I started to seek and destroy. You know, I, I just I went on a hunt. I just, I did. I went, on, I went on a hunt and it made me feel so good for a woman yeah. to say, wow, you on dialysis? I can't on that. You know, I needed that at that at that time. I like I really needed that meal, so I needed that. I mean, I sit back and smile like <laughs> Yeah. Man. I still got I still yeah, got you know? <laughs> I, I felt good. And that yeah. and that was yeah, my right. that was my that was my mission. My mission yeah. Yeah. was to have a woman tell me she couldn't believe that I was on Dallas. That I, that was. And man. I needed that at the time. Now the more I evolved I came around, came to myself. You know, it, it just—it was just something that I couldn't continue. Right. You know, right. it was like I'm yeah, diminishing myself. I was diminishing myself. I continue to work out. My whole perspective, perspective of life changed. But at that particular time, that was the medicine that I—I I prescribed myself. I, yep. I, I went out on a hunt, and my mission was to seek and destroy. <laughs> yeah, and and you, you know what? You got that mojo back, man, for real. But I'm I'm gonna tell you, it's 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 like a lot. We a lot of everybody talk about us men putting our ego to a side, but when we have these health issues, sometimes we need that ego lifted 
a little bit because it's not our fault because of these health issues that we go through. And, and this is something for everybody that's listening. If you guys have any questions for myself or these brothers up here, throw them in the comments. Um, we are able to answer questions. Uh, there is no question that's too small or too big. So throw anything at us. We're, we're here for you guys. That's what we yeah. want to talk about. So, um, so well, let me tell y'all something out about me. So being I had lupus for 26 years, I've been on medication my first three to four months up to about 25, 30 pills a day. Now I'm 25, so I'm still in my prime, but yet with all these medications came, when it came to sex, it was no problem getting the erection. There was no problem having sex, but then literally maybe in about a minute in, my heart feels like it's gonna come right out of my chest. Ooh, I, had wow. to stop. I had to stop because I felt like I'm either gonna have a heart attack or I was exerted. Now keep in mind, I had heart problems, lung problems, everything. So my body could not take the exertion I was putting into the effort of having sex. So unfortunately it was one of those, I had to hold back as much as I can because when I feel my heart starting to come out my shirt, oh yeah, I was just done. I was done. And yeah. that kind of was hard for my partner at the time because you know we both kind of want to get off you know what i'm saying and it's like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm messing with my life if i keep going because i hate to yeah. be the one that you know emmett passed away because he was having sex and his heart couldn't take it which yeah. which i did have heart failure pretty much after that so for me it was strictly a lot of the medication um and you know of course decreasing the medication your situation everything improves increasing it goes back down again but it's nothing scary than feeling like your heart's coming out your chest. None wow. scarier than that. So that that was pretty hard for me. Um, somebody somebody asked a question earlier about hiding our conditions to people, friends, you know, everyday people that we see. How hard was that for you guys to to say open up and tell some of your friends that you guys were going through some medical issues? There it is. How did you keep it a secret from family and friends until you finally shared it out? Was it something like me? I feel like I'm thinking I could take care of this on my own because of the man that I was at the time. And I don't need to tell anybody. But then eventually I did because so many trips to the hospital, people were getting concerned. So I had to open up. How did you guys go through that? I, um, you know, once I know the devil was trying to take me out initially when I when I was sick because he knew he knew God's plan for me and but I put it out there after I found after I saw the light at the end of the tunnel I, I did a face I did a I had my son my youngest son to video me with my LVAD device mm. put my stuff on the on the bed had my, my vest on and I wanted to show the world hey this was this is how I'm living because you know it's one thing for people to know to hear that you sick I put it out there in the atmosphere for you to see it. Man. And, um, you know, just put it out there because I knew that God had my back and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid at all. You know Amen, bro. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Andrew, you want to talk on that one? Well, well, I probably until the cancer started coming into play and I just really just wanted to tell everyone that I knew that I cared about, that I loved them because I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And so I kind of started sharing right at the end just because the uncertainty yeah. was going to happen. 
Wow, wow. So nobody really knew until late in the game. Wow. How about you, Tony? You're on mute, bro. Okay, well, um, well, when I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, I really didn't, um, I didn't really tell anybody. I just felt I would deal with it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, I didn't tell my son. I have a twin sister. I didn't even tell her. When I got my LVAD, um, I didn't share it with my family. I'm going to be honest with you. I, wow. I really can't say why. I, well, probably because I didn't want them to worry. I mean, I have a twin sister. Uh, I have one son. And um, I guess God just didn't want me to tell them at the time about the LVAD. Now, when I had the LVAD, I went to work. I went back to work 30 days later. Um, so uh, people at the job saw me, and I never hid that from anyone as far as other people um now once i got the heart that was a little different because it was like hey you know this could be um it so you know so my son lived in jersey at the time and my sister lived in cincinnati ohio so they weren't mm -hmm. even in atlanta you know but they recently came but uh uh it, it was hard because once again you you don't want people to know and and i talk to people now and they don't want people to know. i always tell them let people know uh, your caregiver, your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, your mate, or whoever, uh, you have to let them know because they don't know what you're going through. And if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Um, right. I would definitely share and it probably would have been an easier process, but you know, um, it, it was, it was difficult. No, it was. And just like you, I myself had kind of kept it from everybody. If, if you guys aren't familiar, lupus is a disease where only 10% men get affected and 90% women. So I was even told in 1995 that it was a woman's disease. So you think I went out there and told my boys around the domino table and playing spades that, yo, y'all, I got a woman's disease? Nah, things like that don't happen. We, we don't happen. When they see you in the hospital, I told them, oh, I'm having problems here, having problems there, but don't say anything. But Tony, like you, if I knew what I know now, going back, I would not have held it in. I would have talked to the people that cared and mattered more because if anything, they need to be educated on what's going on with you so they can address you in certain ways. A lot of us men, especially black men, we know that stress is a number one killer. Why do we hold this stuff in and worry about it in ourselves when we can have the thoughts and prayers of our close, close ones and families around us relieve some of that tension? I was just busy trying to hide that I was sick to where I felt that I could do everything. I pushed myself to so many limits and with lupus and joint problems and this and that, you can't do any of that. But I yeah. did it because that ego in me tried to stay strong to not let people know I was sick. Um, so that I know would be tough for all of us to do that. And I'm sure all of us had some point to where we kept so much into ourselves about our own health that it was hard to share. That it was really hard to share. So in yeah. what we talk about now and what I advocate now is to open up. And I think it's platforms like having you guys on there, myself, showing other men, showing other women that men can talk about what they go through. We can talk about sensitive subjects to where we have a mighty God that's not going to judge us because we putting out our truth. Amen. And to me, to me, that's all that matters. If God is not judging me for speaking my truth, then I'm going to keep going and doing what I'm doing. But you know what? You're going to have more people following you because you are being truthful. You are. Yeah. So, Amen. I mean, it's it's crazy, man. Talk to me. Talk to me. Aaron, that's the thing. Um, Initially, when I was sick, 
I said, God, please, you know, in my prayer, God help me. And I and I made the promise to God that, Lord, you get me through my crisis. I'm gonna tell the whole world. <laughs> you know yes. what I'm saying? So that's the promise I made to God. So that's why I said, I'm not hesitant at all to share my story. You know, cause I'm, this panel, uh, you know, us brothers, none of us look like nothing we've been through. No. That's just a blessing from God. So no. that's a promise I made and I'm gonna continue to tell the whole world, you know, hey, what you know what we you know tell the and story you, and you know what it's it's inspiring for somebody watching this right now that between you and tony having a heart issue and going through the lvad it's inspiring to them that you guys are on here now looking a million percent and able to tell your story somebody oh, yeah. with a liver transplant somebody with kidney transplants you know they see us talking about it we've gone through it where we turned our pain into power and able exactly. to speak on a platform that we can inspire other people so exactly. um Ray, if you take yourself off mute, man, listen, I want to ask you a question, how you can ask and tell people that what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's going through any type of transplant, you know, procedure or tell or told they have organ failure and their life is going to be different for the rest of their lives. And I want to hear from the rest of you guys on that too. What kind of advice can we share? Say that again. Um, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. First of all, I, I would I would tell them the harsh reality, which is the truth. That's tough. It's tough. I mean, it, it was the hardest thing because it's not just that; it it affects every other aspect of your life. Right. And it's tough. So if if you harbored or carried any other type of emotion or anything, you just dump that on top of it. So a lot of times, you know, depression is not just the, the thing that we see. Sometimes the problem is not the problem, but it's a combination of a lot of things sometimes that we've carried over the years. So first of all, I would let them know that it's tough. Yeah. You have to know the truth. It's, 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 just, it's just that. It's tough. Second, I would have to, I would have to let them know that, that regardless of the circumstance, in order to move forward you have to change your perspective Boom. your perspective must change when your circumstances are the same and that's tough to do you, you got to change the way you look at it and it's a it's, it's a little it's a little something i put together that, that helped me and i want to share it with you real quick let's do it so okay so it, it's, it's all about the power it's all about the power of the peak my purpose and you might want to write this down because i'm telling you if you can get this man if you can get this <laughs> it's go man i'm telling you so bless I'm, i got my pen life, bro come man, on bless your life so my purpose my problem my power and my promotion mm. my purpose my problem my power and my, my, promotion. my promotion your purpose and your problem is going to run together because when you're having problems many times you're going to have to look away from your problems help somebody else that's going through their problems exactly when i was on dialysis i was struggling for my life i was struggling to live trying to decide if i wanted to live but yet i would get off the machine and people would come to me to be encouraged i would have to encourage them to live on just to try another they give God a try 
when I yep. needed encouraging myself. So other people's problems literally introduce you to your purpose. So it's apparently it's like a boomerang. I call it the boomerang effect. Yeah. So other people's problems introduce you to your purpose. But because you give all of you, it then comes back into your life. What am I saying? I'm saying, like the Bible says, by the same measure you give, it comes back. Comes back. Good around. measure, press down, shaking together, and running over. So if you want hope, you got to give hope. Amen. If, if you want encouragement, you got to give encouragement. And what you find out that when it comes back into your life, it becomes the healing that you need yourself. Right. You, exactly. have to be, you have to be willing to help people when you need help yourself. Even when you haven't experienced it, you have to share your gift, yep. your knowledge, and that in turn come back to you. So that yeah. is your purpose and your problem. You have to be the solution to somebody else's problem when you're having problems yourself. And that Amen. introduces you to your purpose. Nothing yeah. vindicates you more than having a purpose. Being around people right. that right. need you. That's right. Need, they That's need right. you. Yeah. That makes you feel, man, it's an awesome feeling to know that it's something that you carry, something that you've gone through that you can share with somebody else. And it'll make their life better. And yep. that comes into it, leads us into the power. Exactly. Because everything is a process. Exactly. Everything is a process. Your suffering yep. will lead you into perseverance. Your perseverance will develop character and your character hope. It's a process. You don't get from point A to point B. So when you go through that process, the power comes in by this. The Bible said that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and word of your testimony. So wow. your word becomes a parallel. The words, the testimony, the word of your testimony becomes a parallel with the blood of Jesus Christ. Exactly. You become the, what? the living epistle written and read by all men. You become the letter that people will look at and people will read. So yeah. it's important that you don't give up. That's powerful. Thank you, because man. You Thank open you. Your mouth. You can share your story even when you hurt. You can share your story and it carries the ability and the power to break the chain, to break the yoke of somebody else who wanted to give up on life. It gives right. them encouragement. Amen. Gives them Amen. Hope. Amen. It power. does. It does. It That's does. the power. The promotion then comes because once you get comfortable with giving yourself, once you get comfortable with ministering to other people when you got issues yourself, you forget about your own issues. You get so engulfed with their problems that you forget about your own. And then your own inadvertently becomes taken care of. Yeah. So now yep. the promotion comes because people will seek after your gift. Exactly. People will seek and lift after you your up. gift. An example yep. is if I can use David. If I can use David, David was in the back ten of the sheep. So the prophet Samuel came. He came to anoint one of Jesse's boys, the king. So they went through this whole ceremony and they never invited David. They never invited him to the ceremony. So 
The prophet went through and said, no, 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 not this one, not this one, not this one. God spoke to him and said, judge not, you know, by his appearance, but I judge by the heart, and so on, so on. So he said, got to be another one. So then they go, and okay, well, there's David back over, tending to the sheep. So here David comes now. So yep. David steps on the scene and he anoints him. So after he's anointed, guess what? Something's going on with Saul. Something's going on with Saul. The evil spirit pressed upon him and nothing, nothing would help. So now one of his guys said, hey, look, I know a guy that's a skillful player and he's anointed. So that was a summon for his gift. That was a summon for his gift, which is true. Oh, he had to show up, but he had to bring his gift. Got you. So he brought, I his, got you. He, he brought his gift. When he brought his gift, guess what? It was his gift that made the difference. Because of what you're going through right now in your life, you are a carrier of something great. You are a carrier of something awesome and so profound that it will literally change the lives of people all around the world. You, man, have, to, you have to know it, but not just know it. But you have to accept it and walk in it. And when you choose to neglect yourself, to be a servant of somebody else's need, then God has the ability to bless, to bless your life. To I hear bless you, your bro. Gift, to and, bless your boy. And you know what, man, Ray, that that right there was inspiring. Wow, I wrote wow. all this down too, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it looks like we're running out of time. So I want to see if the brothers any in just a, a quick statement. If you guys want to, you know, just share something with the audience of, of being on here, and thank you, we appreciate everybody for being on. If you guys want to say something to the to the audience, go ahead, and this floor is yours. Um, I'll go. I'll say to the audience, thank you for um tuning in tonight. Hopefully. Yeah, this group of brothers, these are my brothers. Um, we hope that we touch you. Um, I want to say to you also, um, and I'm a former coach. I'm still a coach, rather. And just like we want, we tell our players to elevate their game. I tell the audience, elevate your faith in God, because that's who brought us through our trials and tribulations. So, if you want, if you want to elevate, if you want to, you know, succeed and be successful, elevate your faith. And Amen. You're gonna be all right. Amen. Amen. Andrew, you want to say something to everybody? Yeah, I would like to thank everybody for listening tonight. Thank God for allowing us to be here. Um, I would like to say, you know, if I was talking to somebody who was waiting on a transplant, I would tell them that keep your faith, keep going, and never give up. <laughs> I heard somewhere. I had a friend tell me that she always says just turn your obstacles into opportunities that's it and so that's what i'm looking at today if you're going through this turn that get make this obstacle be an opportunity to love more give more learn more listen more and just do more put the more at the end of any sentence you want to say and do that more Man, and um that's it you know just try loving more and giving more and it all worked out in the end Amen, bro. Amen. Thank you very Amen. much. Thank you. Amen. What's up, Mr. Tony? Let's give hey. these guys an exit. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for um, being on here, and I'm glad I there's a, some powerful men on here. Uh, Ray, you blessed me. That was definitely a blessing. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. My thing I say, one, is always never give up. Uh, I know one thing uh, when I was in the hospital, Isaiah 53, 5 um, got me through, you know, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Mm -hmm. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, 
and with his stripes were healed. And I always remember that because it happened to me, you know, everything yeah. in the Bible is written for a reason. If we, it's, this is the plan. So, yep. but my faith me through and the fact of knowing to never give up. I mean, I, that's the thing I tell the people. And also we have to also help each other. And I mean, by becoming donors, we can have all the conversations in the world. If we don't become donors, this is just a conversation. So our goal, just like Nishanda's, is Amen. to register, to register, to register. Tell all your friends. I, whenever I, I, I got my second shot the other day from RN, and the first question I asked her, "Are you a registered organ donor?" She said, "No," and I said, "Why not?" I never thought about it. Okay. You know, I told her my story, and I hope just by sharing that five minutes with her that it will help her. So I encourage everyone become a donor. If I had to tell yes, her, sir. become a donor. Thank yes. you, bro. And there's the website right there, www.registerme.org. You can also go to Nashonda's page. And I want to give first and foremost, thank you to every one of you guys that jumped on. We can see your comments. And there's so much that, that this conversation went so well and transparent that if we could answer each and every one, we definitely will. We just appreciate the love. And Nashonda, thank you. This is oh, something yeah. that is needed in queen. the community, the queen. This is something yeah, well, that is needed you. in the community, not just of men, but for women. Women can get their husbands, sons, brothers, nephews, show that there are men that's out there that can speak up on their illnesses and be strong at the same time. You know, exactly. we, we have the mentality of used to thinking that we may look weak if we show vulnerability, but we already looked as strong. If we can tell our stories, we'll look, we're looking even, even stronger. So yeah. fellas, I appreciate doing this with you. Definitely there is a part two this oh, will be continued. Yeah, this will be. be continued. Um, this is something that Nashonda is going to bring to the table. We are going to be back at the drawing board and put something together for the next time. More guys. We want more audience and we want this spread out because, again, these brothers here, man, I'm impressed with you guys. Much love to y'all. We oh, brothers yeah. now. So let's oh, yeah. keep this journey going. Um, Nashonda, again, thanks to you. Uh, yeah. If you want to come back on and, and say yeah, the she final gotta come word, back on. she, she got to come, come back on. on. She got yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Listen, I'm not even gonna hold y'all on that I know we we kind of went over um but I, I hope this kind of blessed everybody and um again we will have a part two and of course I'm not only going to have the women with mental health but I'm also want to have the uh, caregivers and let them have a say as well so you know until next week until part two Listen, in all you're getting, get understanding, become an organ donor. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Guys, listen. Y'all see, you. this is the men of TTWN. I'm going to have to get them some shirts because that's who they are now. And um, I appreciate you all so much. And some, listen, I need to raise money because I got to send them on a fishing trip in San Diego somewhere. So y'all yes. send me some money. Yeah, okay? you cash <laughs> cash out number up. Yes, yes, they they ready to go. All right, y'all stay right here. I'm gonna uh, just remove y'all, but y'all stay backstage for me, please. All right, so I'm gonna tune us out, and you know, guys, I thank you all so much for watching Transplant Talk with Nashanda. It was just amazing. Until next week, God bless you all. Good night. Please swipe and, and invite and share. All right, tune until next time. Bye bye. <laughs>